We'll take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians, 7th chapter, 1st verse, starting there. To marry or not to marry is the title of the message. 1 Corinthians, 7th chapter, starting with the first verse. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, nevertheless to avoid fornication. Let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto his wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife has not power of her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband has not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontensency. And I, but I speak this by permission and not by command, for I would that all men would even as I myself, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after his one after this manner, and the other after that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it's good to, for them if they abide even as I, but if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. Let's pray together, please. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee for all Thy blessings You give us in Christ Jesus, and we look to Thee, O Lord, for the blessings of the day and for the services that You open our understanding and Lord, we know we're just weak creatures that you've created and, and fallen, if you will, after our perfect creation and sent Jesus to redeem us and restore us into what we should have been. We just look to thee, O Lord, now and look for the grace we need to do the things that are pleasing in thy sight and that you'd have mercy upon each one here, those without Christ, they might be pleased to save and edify the saints that we all might grow in understanding. Thank thee in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. This is one of the most powerful things uh, in humankind, and that's sexuality. And we, the sex drive that everybody has is for, for procreation, and uh, that one might be get the one of its like kind, and yet this is one of the most perverted of all the emotions that man has, and and it is the one that overcomes and disrails Christians the most often is this particular uh, drive. And uh, we think about the occult, all the occult, everything they have is either male or female. Everything that they worship, everything they handle, everything they do is male and female. And, of course, Christianity is one of the exceptions. Now, when I say Christianity is one exception, that does not take the Roman Catholic Church because they brought over all that trash, and each one of those or most of those things have, are either masculine or feminine. And each uh, has to do with that, the sexual drive in, the, uh, in humankind. And so when we look at that this morning, we uh, see at the end of verse 9, uh, which is, if you will, the the underlying teaching, that which, if you will, after you said everything else we're going to say, it just says it is better to marry than to burn. 
And so we'll be talking about what we should do, shouldn't do, and so on and so forth. Uh, But at the end of the day, if you cannot contain yourself, then you're foolish uh, if you try to live a celibate life and and can't. That is, unmarried, and before you know, though, you'll be in uh, fornication or doing something that you ought not do. And so to marry or not to marry, uh, Paul, speaking of that time, in verse 26a, it says, I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. Now, he's speaking of a particular uh, circumstance that they were living and going through at that time. And that's the reason he says it's better, if you can, contain yourself at that time that because of the persecution that you should stay separate and you shouldn't marry. That, and you say, well, what's he talking about? Well, one of the things that the enemy would do is they would take the parents, then torture the children to get the parents to comply or relent, or if you will, to go against Christ. And it could be the wife they would take or the husband they would take, and, and uh, they would use these to help torment uh, the saints of God. And, and let me say to you, you don't know what you're going to do when they've got your child there, when you've got your wife or your husband or whatever, and they say either you recant or they die. And they meant by death, it's not like you and I would think maybe, say, well, they're going to shoot them, they're going to do this, that. No, they're going to burn them, they're going to flay them, they're going to torture them. And so you're not talking about just a little something they was going to do to them. I mean, it was a torment. And so that was the things that they were facing in that time, and so if we get to kind of the background uh, right, then we kind of understand what Paul's saying in this present <coughs> is uh, distress, and that was the present circum, uh, uh, present, if you will, persecution. <coughs> now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me. Now we see there's a break in the in the Corinthians, and even though there is a connection with the verses before. He said, now you've wrote me, written to me about this, and I'm going to answer the question that you've given me. And in this chapter, we have questions about marriage, marry or not, celibate lifestyle, divorce of a uh, lost spouse, widows, slaves, virgins, daughters, marry or not, only marry in the Lord. <clears throat> and some of these have many subpoints to them. And some of them we could spend all day just on the sub-point of, the, of this particular chapter. <clears throat> and uh, so we want to look at the first couple of questions today. Uh, we're not going to cover the whole chapter, just these few verses and, and uh, this uh, few a couple of questions that is given them. And again, it's cause of the persecution that's going on in their time is the reason that he tells them they ought to be celibate. Some have said this is where they get the priesthood from, uh, that the Catholics were right on this. And if you know anything about Catholicism, you know for the first three or four or five hundred years, they all married. There was not uh, a celibate priest. And this was an edict that come down, and they changed it. And I can't remember the exact year now, but they changed that. It's been a stumbling block to them ever since. And so they talk about the distrustful times. Our passage reveals that there is more than one reason 
uh, to marry. Now, somebody says the only reason is to have children. No, there's also companionship. There's also, if you will, to prevent fornication and sin against God. And we could go on with many things that uh, marriage brings forth and brings, the, yes, brings children, but it brings companionship. It brings, if you will, someone to tell you when you're wrong uh, that you're going to have to live with anyway, so you're going to have to accept it. And, and, uh, and, and, and they, uh, so there's other things involved in marriage than just that. <clears throat> the question before us is, what is it best for a child of God, celibacy or marriage, is a question that requires contemplation. Uh, we don't even contemplate that anymore. We, uh, in our time, and there's no, there's no struggle, and, and uh, we look at somebody funny if they don't marry or if they don't have children or they adopt or whatever else it is. It just kind of goes along with our society and, and the peace that we've had for hundreds of years uh, that uh, this is just like a non-question. <clears throat> and so we'll deal with the most relevant parts of it and, and, uh, and, and not do the rest. Better to marry or be celibate and not to touch a woman. That means in this verse to be celibate. Jesus teaching on the verse a verse mentioned in Matthew 19. You notice Paul said, now this is not by commandment. That is what he wrote there. <clears throat> he said, I, I, it's not by commandment, but this is my recommendation is what he's saying, so we need to understand that also. In Matthew 19 and 9, and it says, I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery, and whosoever married her, which he put, put away, doth commit adultery. His disciples said unto him, If this be the case of a man, to so with his wife, it is not good to marry. They said, This is a hard saying, Lord. This is something that's almost impossible. I mean, that's what they're saying to the Lord. He said, well, it's better to, not to marry than this. But he said unto them, all men cannot receive this saying, save them to whom it is given. For there are some eunuchs which are so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which are made eunuchs of men, and there are eunuchs which are, have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He is able to receive it, let him receive it. Now this is the closest teaching that comes to 1 Corinthians 7th chapter in this last verse here. And there's some that can contain themselves and they don't need to marry. They can be about the service of God and, and uh, that. But uh, it's also, if you will, there is a strong drive there. And if you can't contain yourself, then you're a fool. I mean, that's just all you can say. You're just foolish. And the reason I say that is, is that then you're taken over by your drive and your emotion, and, and you'll never serve God completely and rightly, uh, since there would be no exception to so that they uh, could, would not commit fornication, they should marry. And that's in our second verse of 1 Corinthians 7-2. And so the... Uh, one of the overwhelming drives in man, as we already mentioned, is the sexual drive, and 
If you cannot contain, then marry. I mean, that's just as blunt and plain as you can get it. Now, some say, well, I'm going to, you know, run around for a while, you know, and, and this is our society. This is the way it is. Well, I'll live with them for a while, you know, and see if it works out. And then if that don't work out, then I'll go to someone else and live with them for a little while and, and so on and so forth, you know. And, you know, you got to know where you're compatible or not. And they go through all this garbage, which is sin. That is fornication. That is wickedness. And if you will, that uh, this that this is done now by those who call themselves Christian is just an abomination in the church, and <clears throat> that they would do these things. It is the underlying principle of the rest of this chapter. For it is better to marry than to burn. For those that lack <clears throat> our struggle with self-control in this area, not given the ability to, to abstain. Jesus says some have this ability, some don't. If you don't have it, then you can't do it. You'll be just a mess, if you will, all your life. Striving to control your appetite will consume everything you do. And if you will, there's going to be weak times, and that's fornication comes in. Verses 3 and 4, nevertheless, marriage carries responsibility. Their bodies are not their own. When you come one body, one person, one being before Almighty God, then there's certain rights you relinquish. And your partner has those rights. You don't have them. You can't say, well, no, I'm... You know, we haven't, I don't like what you said, so that's it, you know. You just might as well work, figure out 30 days or something like that, some foolishness. Let me say, you can't do that. You can't do that. Why can't you? Because you don't belong to yourself anymore. When you marry, you belong to your spouse. Your body belongs to them. They're the ones that... It can determine that, and, and yes, we know in a marriage it has to be joint, but the, po- the point of the Scriptures is that you cannot do that. And if the partner commences adultery, then you're just as responsible for that adultery as they are. <clears throat> you say, well, they did, they've been running around, they've done this, that, and the other. Let me say to you, it's because <clears throat> of a lack, if you will, of intimacy, then you're the blame. Before Almighty God... When you restrain yourself or keep yourself or vent yourself uh, from being intimate with your spouse, then you're the sinner. You're the wicked person. You're the fornicator. And when things fall apart, divorce follows or pursues or all the other things that can come out from that. And yes, the spouse that does these things is not innocent. Because they've done it, they commit fornication, adultery, or some other evil deed, and, and they'll stand accountable to God, but their partner will stand just as guilty. <clears throat> and so it is a serious, if you will, thing in a, between a husband and wife. In marriage, we become one flesh, and the, our bodies become, uh, belong to the spouse. It says, do benevolence. <clears throat> The word do means to owe, to owe money, to be in debt, <clears throat> that which is due, the debt. So do benevolence means it is that which you owe. 
to your partner. And it's that which they owe to you. Sex is never to be used as a weapon or a martyr or reward. It is for the purpose God gave it to us for is one, procreation, two, to keep ourselves from burning, that we not fall into fornication. Verse 5, celibacy in marriage is not recommended for all. When one of the parties decides to reframe a sexual relationship uh, to defraud, uh, celibacy in a marriage is not, shouldn't be non-existent. But the Bible does give an exception here. If you're going to give your time to fasting, to prayer, or something like that, on agreement with your partner, on agreement with your partner, that you set aside and you restrain from those things to set aside that time to praise, worship God, fast, or whatever the case may be. It can only be done by consent of both spouses. The Spirit emphasizes for spiritual reasons only. You won't find any other reason in the Scripture, by the way. It's for spiritual reasons only. One of the reasons for both to marry is so they won't burn their lust. That's one of the reasons. If we think that's not so, then you can't remember when you was dating. And that's the reason that uh, the restrictions on marriages, the old, <clears throat> the old uh, uh, when they used to have to have a chaperone, why do you think they had a chaperone for? Because you couldn't trust these two people out by themselves. That's why. And they're in love, so that makes it worse. And each one of them has this drive that they want to satisfy, and so that even makes it even worse. We should not be surprised at the rate of, of the pregnancies we have in America. <clears throat> Children are not taught. There are no more chaperones. Matter of fact, sometimes the parents will give them the keys to the house, and they'll go on vacation. This is what we're now... And he said, well, them evil, wicked people, these are Christians that do this. I know Christian parents have done that. They say they're Christian. Let me put it that way. <clears throat> we say that, that Satan tempt you not, tempt you not for your incontentencies. <clears throat> and that Satan's always out working. <laughs> But this is one time he's got an ally in every human being. Got an ally. Someone that's right there, a part of you that wants to give in to that (coughs) wickedness. This is not acceptable. Excuse excuse for adultery or fornication. It shows... This possibility is happening all the time. I know a preacher, that's the reason he divorced his wife and run off the secretary. Because his wife cut him off. And so he, he, he had no, uh, he had no, if you will, uh, 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 nothing else to do 
went to Ralph, his secretary, divorced his wife and married her. He said, when I preach it, I don't sound it. Well, I know it doesn't. But that's what he said. He told several preachers before it ever happened that that's what was happening. And, and uh, so everybody know that what happened. And he said, well, welcome to that preacher. Well, he kind of went off to another denomination for a while. And now he's uh, teaching among our churches again. Now, it wasn't his fault, they say. And I already said that it's part of the spouse's fault if that's what really happened. But we don't know that happened. So that's part of it. And so you say, well, it's better for him to marry than to burn. And that's absolute truth. But he should have got out of the ministry. He should have. Should have hung it up and say, that's it. I'm overcome with my flesh. The flesh has won the victory. <clears throat> and, and I wasn't able to contain myself in the Spirit of God. So therefore, I had to get a divorce and marry this, this person that I've been having an affair with and then I'm going to keep on preaching. No. He should have resigned immediately. Well, he did from that church. <clears throat> there's no nothing less, there's no excuse for not being a loving couple. We can speak about to love thy neighbor as self, your closest neighbor is your spouse. <clears throat> if we're both saved like we should be saved, then <clears throat> then the closest Christian is your spouse. And we're to love one another even as, as God has loved us, as Christ has loved us. And so we love one another as God has loved us. Then that's the closest Christian you got to you. You got odds, you work them out. You got problems, then you work them out. But none of this foolishness that sometimes happens in homes. Paul recommends celibacy to those mentioned before in the second group, the unmarried and widows, which we'll deal with later. <clears throat> First Corinthians seven thirty-two. Just read this. <clears throat> but I would have you <clears throat> have you without carefulness he that un, is unmarried careth for all things and belong uh, belong to the lord how he may please the lord but he that's married careth for things that are of the of the world how he might please his wife there's a difference also between a wife and a virgin the unmarried woman careth for the things of the lord and, and that she may be holy both in the body and in, in the spirit, but she that is married careth not for the things of the, uh, <coughs> careth, excuse me, for the things of the world, how she might please her husband. Now, <coughs> I just read that, is that's what, what you say, well, that sounds good, you know. And, but we also know it's better to marry than to burn. Few people can do that. 
Few people can go through their life and not commit fornication. Few. I don't I mean just a few can do that. <clears throat> I don't know them personally, but I know there can be because the Bible says so. The unmarried of those that were uh, were not <clears throat> those that were mar- were married before, including the widows, widowers, and virgins. And so it, the unmarried include all of those. <clears throat> it, if you cannot contain, then is uh, contain that passion. Then again, it's better to marry than to burn. Verse seven, we notice that he puts himself in the category of the unmarried or widow. Uh, was Paul ever married? Well, I'm not going to. I have a lot of scriptures here to deal with that about Paul. I'm not going to deal with them for time's sake, but. If he truly was a member of the Sanhedrin, which Philippians 3rd chapter seems to say in other passages that he's a member of the Sanhedrin, then he had to be married at one time. If he followed the Jewish uh, the tradition of his day, and which he said, he speaks of himself being uh, you know, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, which they were the legalists. And so... If he did that, then he would have married as a young man. <clears throat> but the Bible doesn't say he was married, had children, or anything else. But we do know at the time of the writing of this that he was not married. And the only way that he'd be qualified is if he was a widower. So Paul was either never married or he's a widower because any other thing would disqualify him, <clears throat> if you will, as being the as the uh, apostle, and you're going to say how many how many regulations are required for apostle? He had to be accepted by the Jewish community. A Pharisee would not have accepted him. Sadducee maybe. Pharisees never. And there's no complaint about Paul's marriage anywhere in the scriptures. I just throw that in. <clears throat> Because it seemed like there's a lot of, a lot of things uh, in, especially people write on these things, that there's a lot of time wasted on that. We must consider uh, uh, celibacy along the, uh, with the clergy. Now, Ephesians, <clears throat> Ephesians 4.11 And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Now we consider these the clergy. Somebody wants to consider others, that's their business, but these are the ones we consider to be clergy. First, the apostles, we know that Simon Peter was married. Matthew 8, 14 speaks of that. And also seen in 1 Corinthians 9, 5, that he led around a sister, and that means his wife. So we know Simon Peter was married, so that wasn't a qualification for apostle. But there is no written qualifications for apostles. None. Why? Because God called them, they were special messengers, and they were called directly and made apostles by Jesus Christ. They were his. And each one of them, one of the qualifications of an apostle, 
that he had seen Jesus in the flesh. And Paul says that he was like one born out of season. But he did see Jesus Christ in the flesh. He wasn't there for the, for the when the, he met John. He wasn't there at the beginning of his, at his baptism as requirement to be one of the twelve as book of Acts speaks of. And so he was not qualified in that area. He was not qualified, if we will, he wasn't standing at the bottom of the cross as far as we know when Jesus Christ was crucified nor was he in the upper chamber when Jesus appeared to him on the third day. But he was on Damascus Road and he did go out into the countryside and there Jesus taught him. Now how long he was out there and how, how much he's teaching we're not going to get in today. <clears throat> Some says it was three years. I have a hard time with that, but some says that's the way it was, and we're not, that's the reason we're not getting into it this morning, other than that he says he was taught of the Lord. And the apostles in Jerusalem accepted that he was taught of the Lord and that he was an apostle. And so that clears that up. The prophets, no qualifications. You can't find a qualification in the Bible for prophets. These are like apostles. God just calls them where they're at and uses them. And you can have prophets and prophetesses. You can have male and female that prophesy. But only the men could prophesy in the church building. And if, uh, well, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 14. In our day, those that say they have these gifts, they, as you know, don't go by scriptures anyway. But 14, 31, <clears throat> For you may all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. And the spirits of the prophet are subject to the prophet's, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, and as in all the churches of the saints. Let your women keep silence in the church. For it is not permitted unto them to speak, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And, and, they, and, and if they will learn anything, let them ask their husband at home, for it is a shame for a woman to speak in the church. Now we see people going to prophecies all through the scriptures. But they never met them in the synagogue and said, now get up and tell us the prophet is so and so. That wasn't done. In the church, they didn't allow the prophetess to get up and proclaim prophecies. I only throw that in because there are qualifications in the church. Though there's no qualifications for the prophets, there are qualifications for who can do things in the church. Most uh, were in local churches only, but some of the notable ones travel from place to place. And uh, <clears throat> when we speak about the uh, prophets... Uh, they usually stayed in the same place. Apostles 
went to this and stayed for a while. I mean, Paul stayed at Corinth a year and a half. Uh, we don't think that's a long time, but for an apostle, that was a long time, other than those that was at Jerusalem. Because they'd go here, start a church, and they would come back later and make elders in that church. They'd go over here, start another church, another church, another church. That's the way they worked. <clears throat> Excuse me. Most were in the local only, church only, but also the noted ones, as we mentioned, travel, uh, third and fourth. Today, the first two positions, we're talking about now the evangelist and, uh, and the pastor teacher. <clears throat> now, I think evangelists are missionaries. I think exactly what it is because that's what they do. They will go out into the countryside and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they start works. Now we have the apostles, but we also have the evangelists that were doing similar works and they stayed in a church for a time and then they moved on. Now we do have some, if you will, evangelists that were in the church, but they weren't the pastors. You never see it as a pastor. They were there in the church. We see the book of Acts. But what was their job? They went out preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And normally they stay for a while just like the apostles did. They stay for a little while, get things going, get things organized, and then move on. And then they would have set elders in the church. Pastor teacher usually stays for a time. And not like a missionary that comes, starts the work, and moves to the next place. Not like an apostle that's here today and gone tomorrow. But they're here for a while. And a long while usually, but not always. Now some like to separate this, pastors, and teachers. <clears throat> I, and I, I know that there's our proclaimers that are preachers, and there's preachers that are teachers. You say, well, I'm a preacher. I, I think all preachers are like, no. <clears throat> there's some that lays out their lesson just like a teacher would lay out their lesson. That's not Simon Peter. He didn't do it that way. Brother Noel Brown, he was a friend of mine. He was a teacher. He said, well, brother, I can proclaim to you. I said, brother, you always do. So a pastor teaches, but they have a responsibility to teach in the church and that that the church learns the truth about God's Word and about His Son, Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 4.14 Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, which is the laying on of the hands of the Presbyterian. Presbytery. And we know for the perfecting of the saints. Now we'll go to 1 Corinthians. Get back into our lesson. 1 Timothy 3. 
This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to, apt to teach, not given to wine, nor striker, nor greedy, nor a filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. For he, the one, <coughs> one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity, for if a man know, <coughs> know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Now, not a novice. And it goes on the de- with the qualifications of the deacons <coughs> and, and, the, and the women. That's qualifications after that. I think it's for the pastor and that. And I know some disagree with me because it's in the deacon section. Uh, but I think it's qualification that <coughs> the preacher's wife be as, as qualified as the deacon's wife. Uh, I think it's foolish to try to say, oh, no, that didn't work. That's just the way it is. Now, some say it does not mean that they must be married. A lot of times when I go places, I take my partner and my wife. There's been places that I have been in with my wife. And if she hadn't been there, there would have been a problem. And it's not just one time that's happened. <clears throat> the point I'm making is that's one of the reasons that a pastor needs a wife. When he counsels someone, he says, well, I have had a lady say, well, I just want you to go and counsel you by yourself. You know, you don't need to bring your wife. <clears throat> a preacher that does that is stupid. That's all I can say for you. <clears throat> but he's also against Scripture. A young Man pastoring a church without a wife will find perilous times before it. A missionary that goes on a mission field without a wife will fail, usually. This is God's qualifications that you can see this man. You can see how he treats his family, how he... Uh, if he's the head of the house or if he's not the head of the house, if he, how he guides his family and say, well, he's not qualified to be a preacher. He doesn't even know how to take care of his own house. So, so that's not a qualification. I just read it to you. A man that's going to be a preacher or a missionary has to have a wife. Somebody say, well, you know, this so-and-so, his wife... You know, he's a widower and and so on and so forth. So what? He's not qualified. Well, preacher, you know, they go on and on and on. How's he going to counsel? How's he going to do in those awkward minutes, moments, when things happen, you know, and there you are stuck without a wife? My wife has protected me many times. That's all, that's all I've got to say about that. <clears throat> he must be the husband of one wife. He's not one that can have two or three wives. He's not one that can be divorced and remarried, divorced and remarried, divorced and remarried. 
He has to have one wife. Now, if she dies or he becomes a widower, and we see that uh, speaks about the godly widow and what qualifies her as a godly widow, and I think would qualify a pastor as a godly pastor or widower. Then to marry, as we see in the priesthood and everything else, there's no problem with that. He's still the husband of one wife because the other one, God's taken. But for him to have two living wives at the same time, he's disqualified. I know in our day, he's qualified. But for God, he's not. Can the divorce remarry? And this is what I was talking about we'll deal with later. But the whole thing is marry or burn. <clears throat> and the scriptures doesn't, doesn't disqualify them, doesn't have them to be removed from the church, just certain <clears throat> things in the church that it disqualifies them from, but there's nothing that takes them out of the church. Now this is the one that I, that I kind of center on, Deuteronomy 24, 3 and 4, as a problem. And I do know it's in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 24.3. This is a wife that's been given a bill of divorcement by her husband. And you know in their day, the wife had no say. She couldn't divorce her husband Now, when they became Greeks, or it started modernizing, or the Greeks took over, then that's what chapter 7 is talking about, of Romans, about a wife if she takes another husband. In Jewish terms, she could not do that. She'd be an adulterer. So if the latter husband, she's married again, hate her, and write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand, and send her out of his house. Or if later the husband die, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. For that she is defiled, for that is abomination before the Lord. And thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. You say that ever happened? I haven't seen it in the, in the clergy. But I have seen it in the churches. If I mentioned the church, you'd all know that, and this has been 20 years ago, that the song leader and the, and the piano player, both of them were married, both of them divorced and remarried, both of them divorced again and married and married back together. To me, when God says something's abomination, <clears throat> I, I, I just to me it disqualifies them from church membership. That's my opinion. <clears throat> and to me, that's the worst case scenario that we find in the scriptures. Which is best in our present time? Best to marry 
unless God has given you the ability to contain, you better marry. <clears throat> and most of us here are, but a couple maybe not. <clears throat> not all desire to marry and should, if they can, remain celibate. But in our age, it's hard to serve the Lord, uh, if you will, except in the areas of prayer and witnessing, and that's one-on-one or in a group, if you will. And we want to add about this footnote to be given to the ability to be celibate. One should not use it for other things but for the service of God. Some people don't have to marry. They just they don't have that drive. But if you have that drive, then you better marry and not burn. <clears throat>